It's our end-of-year podcast at moresportsnow.com. I'm Steve Titchener in our Jersey studio. I'm joined by veteran sportscaster Matt Lachlan. And uh, Matt, a lot of things to talk about from 2019. But let's start with uh, the news this morning, and that is that Pat Shermer was fired by the Giants after two seasons. What, he won nine games? Just had a rough go in New York, and it never happened for him. And so uh, John Mara and company decide to move on. No surprise that he got let go. Um, the drums were beating for a while, and it never really seemed like it was a good fit. He's never had much success at all. In fact, any success as a head coach, and you could question why he was named the head coach. Mm-hmm. But now you have to ask, and I say it all the time here, and I say it all the time on the air at Devil's Games, and I say it all the time to people when I'm talking to them, it starts at the top. It's not Dave Gettleman's issue, although he's the general manager. It is John Mara's issue. Why has the Giants' ownership, what has happened to Giants' ownership that they went from being looked at as that's the way you run things, they're the the organization you want to emulate because they've got stability, they've got all this stuff going on. Uh, And and by the way, Steve Tisch is involved in this too. He's Mm 50-50. But the Giants were looked... If if you take take away what took place in the '60s and you know fans burning season tickets, once George Young came on and the Marist figured it out and he got them on a championship path, they were looked at as the perfect organization. Oh, class organization always. And what compared happened? to the Jets too? There. What always, happened? And so yeah. What well, happened to the Giants? What happened to the Mara family? What happened to the decision making? Well, the kid takes over, right? I mean, you know, well could very well Mara be that. Is, 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 I mean, John had an influential yeah. role, but it could simply be that. Yeah. But now they can't get out of their own way. They don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. They haven't get, won in a while. They retained uh, Dave Gettleman as well. So there's questions on that. Um, why did he stay? Why does Pat Shermer go? Uh, so there's some questions there. So again, you're talking about the top and there's questions with the GM now and what what's uh, what's happened there. I mean, the Daniel Jones thing worked out, I would think. I mean, uh played quite well. He did have a big uh, turnover problem. And again, that was a problem on Sunday, too. Uh, but um, I think we're uh, enamored with Daniel Jones because he started off with a bank. But overall, look, it's it's a learning curve. It's his mm-hmm. first year in the league. We'll see. Everyone seems to think they found the it guy. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see. And uh, listen, they, you know, like nine games they won over the last two years. That's not the Giants football as we know it. Well, what uh, is Giants football anymore? Well, yeah, you're right. Uh, where's Lawrence Taylor? He's gone. Mm-hmm. Eli Manning is now gone. You know, those championships are a long time ago mm-hmm. in the rearview mirror. And what happens with Eli? He says he wants to play. He wants Good to for keep him. playing. He wants to start somewhere. wonder if he's going to be in the league next year. He might. Mm -hmm. I don't know what team out there would say, I think he can be our starter. If he just wants to play, I'm sure there's a great locker room guy, great leader, someone who needs him. Well, if you don't play, he can't be a leader. True, true, true. So he's got to Right. Mm -hmm. So he's got to play. So I don't know what team is going to take him to think that he is the guy that can lead them to the promised land. But there's probably a team out there that says, to your point, we've got a guy who's won rings. Uh, he's a veteran. He'll be the cushion between where we are and where we want to be. And he gives us a little bit of time to buy. But uh, if he wants to play mm-hmm. and he doesn't mind being a backup, I'm sure there absolutely will be a role. Because you see quarterbacks getting knocked out all the time. It's sure. not it's not an easy position. Mm-hmm. So he would be an incredible insurance 
package, and he might very well play. Yeah, but he made it Nobody, clear he doesn't, who wants, he, he doesn't want to be a backup. He made that clear. Well, and good luck. So, yeah, so we'll we'll see. I mean, if he if he, it looks like it has to be the right situation, or maybe he'll. But uh, Marty Brodeur, Marty Brodeur needed another kick at the can. He's not the only one. You look mm-hmm. at so many oh, players sure. who think I can still do it, still do it, and in the end, they can't. Uh, the Giants, as much as I've kind of killed them there, they're not stupid. He couldn't do it on mm-hmm. a regular basis anymore. If he could, it behooved them to keep him there, right? Mm-hmm. Who works against your own best interest? So the fact of the matter is it's over for Eli to a large extent. But mm-hmm. if he still wants to take a kick at the can, God bless him. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. That'll be an interesting uh, story for 2020 for sure. And let's stick with football and let's go into our stories of the year here, Matt. And the story of the year for me, obviously, we, we know this, a, a Rutgers alum. And uh, very excited, ecstatic about the return of Greg Schiano to the banks. Um, boy, a sketchy uh, period there of uh, not being sure whether Rutgers was going to get this done, or the, the administration at Rutgers. And it seemed at one point they really blew it. Um, but, uh, you know, big outcry. Big outcry from fans, big outcry from a guy who's on our show a lot. Eric LeGrand uh, made his feelings uh, known. And, uh, you know, uh, they, they get the deal done. And uh, really excited about it. I mean, he, I think it's the right fit. I wasn't completely convinced at the beginning, but now more and more. I mean, it's, uh, look, uh, he's, he's a proven recruiter. And, and that's what's really fallen off for Rutgers over the last few years and something that Chris Ash was just really inept with. It was, it was the recruiting end of things. And, and uh, I think that he's going to bring stability to the program, which is much needed. And again, get back, uh, get back on that recruiting trail. It seems like he's doing okay right out of the jump. He just got a, uh, a transfer from Ohio State, a uh, guy who fell down the depth chart, but fine. He was uh, a, a four-star, former four-star, and, and one of uh, uh, Shiano's former uh, players. Uh, so, you know, he, there's been a positive influence right out of the jump and really excited about uh, uh, Rutgers football moving forward in the right hands. Might easily be the biggest story uh, from New Jersey mm-hmm. uh, of the year, unquestionably. He brings he brings legitimacy to Rutgers. He brings legitimacy Mm -hmm. to the football program, which desperately needs it. Now, his previous tenure there was a mixed bag. Mm -hmm. He was terrible early, but he inherited not much. Then he got better. He certainly coached players up, tons of Rutgers players in the NFL. He's highly regarded as a developer of players, but he probably is the only one. He is the only one who could have brought that legitimacy right off the hop, unless Urban Meyer was going to sign, et cetera. That wasn't going to happen. So the only one who could energize the football coaches in New Jersey and the recruits in New Jersey and the alumni and the fan base was Greg Schiano. Now he's got to do it. It's not easy. What he inherits is not much different than what Chris Ash inherited, team that's or program that's behind the curve in terms of facilities, in investment in the program. But if you can entice players to come, you need the building blocks. And so if he can do that, and he has, and continue to do that for a few years, and I have no doubt he'll be able to do it, uh, I think that his way does work. He reminds me a lot of Lou Lamorello. I've been in the room twice with Greg Schiano, so I, I shouldn't really compare the two. But it's no nonsense. It's like, I know what it takes to win. Mm-hmm. This is how we're going to do it. There'll be no corners that are cut. If there's a piece of paper, as you walk down the hallway and there's a piece of paper on the floor, why didn't you pick it up? I'll pick it up. Like, it's that kind of attention to detail that you think, oh, it means nothing. Because if you don't have the talent, you can't win. But the fact of the matter is, 
Everyone's on board. We're going to be neat, clean, ready to go. We won't take penalties. We won't consistently take the same penalties. We will be prepared, and we are going to fight you to the death. And that's a winning outlook. That's a winning atmosphere, and he'll bring that. Now he's running with the big boys. He's not going to get out of the East Division, so that's still going to be a tough run for Rutgers. But it's not about winning, though they talk about it, Pat Hobbs and and Chiatum. It's not about winning Big Ten championships in reality. It's not about competing for a national championship in reality. It's just initially being competitive, respectable, and then you'll have those odd years where things all fall in place. Oh yeah, let's listen. Rutgers fans right now are just looking for respectability. That's it. Let's return to that. Let's 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 play around with 500 here and then see where we can go. Yeah, where Rutgers can go from there. But you know, I like his journey afterwards. Listen, the NFL didn't work out for him because you know what? He's a college coach, but mm-hmm. then he lands at Ohio State under Urban Meyer. So you're thinking, what are the changes? What can be different this time around for Shiano? I mean, he could be better. And he's he worked under uh, Urban Meyer. You don't think he learned a few things from Urban Meyer? Come on. And also, uh, listen, he, he was able to see what goes on. He was, he was at all these campuses. He sees their facilities. He sees what's going on in the Big Ten up front, right in front of him. Mm-hmm. And he came in and said, listen, you want to compete in the Big Ten? This is what you need. And finally, Rutgers listened. And got them on board, and they're going to make they're, they're going to make those changes to the facilities. And let's face it, that started. Now, it started with Chris Ash too. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they, there's some, facil- some facilities have uh, been started and uh, completed as well. But uh, you know, there's more that needs to be done. But this is the beginning, and it really Rutgers needed Shiano. And listen, Shiano needed Rutgers oh, too. Oh, for sure. There so, weren't a lot of places right. knocking on his door. Right. Uh, but I will say this: the helicopter has been used a lot. We see video images of Shiano on his helicopter going here and there. And we didn't see that with Chris Ash for whatever reason, because maybe the commitment wasn't there, not on his part, but on the school's part to those kind of resources. So those are the kind of things that Greg Shiano brings to the table, no De- doubt. Definitely. And so uh, we will hopefully 2020 for Rutgers in, in football anyway is going to improve considerably. Well, they'd have to at least improve. <laughs> I, you'd have to believe they're going to improve. There, there's no question. I mean, well, listen, they I mean, two, you know, one, one win last year, two wins this year. I mean, so it was really just hit bottom with Chris Ash, and um, so, and then you know, we've said this many times: the only way is up. So, uh, and and Shiano knew that too coming in. He knew, hey, listen, man. I mean, it's not going to get any worse. They're pretty much at rock it's bottom. Be chopping. We can, so, uh, so he can just start uh, making it happen. Uh, now, so we have a lot of. Uh, if we go away from the the local scene, Matt, there was a lot of wild things that happened this year. I mean, how about Tiger Woods winning the Masters again? I mean, and we we argued on this show numerous times, and and I said, hey, listen, I believe he's going to win at least in one more major, and I I believed it to be the Masters. Not like I had this crystal ball. I'm like, if he's going to win another majors, it, it would be the Masters. He knows that course like no one does, and and pretty incredible uh, uh, story for him to come back because a lot of people are like that's not happening, including I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure you were. Well, I said he wouldn't catch Jack's majors. Right. Oh yes, that's. Yes. That's where I was at. And he, I, I, and you can always catch. And, and listen, I yeah. don't want to knock what he did. It's a phenomenal accomplishment, and and his work in the President's Cup was great. And so, uh, I don't want to knock what he did. It is a phenomenal story. I only said that he'll not catch Jack. Mm-hmm. I don't think he could catch Jack's majors totals. I think age uh, now prevents that. But mm-hmm. just an unbelievable story. Everyone was glued to the TV. Uh, the grounds of Augusta National were rocking. 
fabulous story. And he's, you know what, he's kind of reached that point in his career where his cockiness has been knocked down about five or six notches. Seems like there's a little humility there now. A little humility, right? And uh, humanity. Mm -hmm. You see it. He's older looking. You look at his face. It's not the Tiger of 20 years ago. I look at my face in the mirror. It's the same Matt Lachlan as 20 years ago. (laughs) But for Tiger, you can see him aging. The kids are older. Everything Mm -hmm. about him has softened him. But his desire to win is still great, and he has some innate skills, and they were on display mm-hmm. uh, at Augusta. And yeah, and you know that would—that's probably the last I thought he'd win. Maybe one more, but who knows? I mean, um, you know, and then you get into like what Jack won. He was forty-six when he won, and and. Tigers in his 40s now. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, you it's get, asking you, a lot. Yes, it certainly right? is. Certainly is. The only thing is that he knows the course so well. And, uh, and but there's, there's so many young, good players that can hit the ball a mile. And then the Masters, man, you got to hit the ball a mile. You so, do. And all the majors, essentially. You know, he's starting to round into form. It'll be interesting to see because he was going to be the next Tiger, sort of, which is mm-hmm. unfair to both this golfer and to Tiger, but he was going to be the next guy, and he started out that way, and then he stumbled a little bit, but it looks like Rory's got his act yeah, together again. definitely. And you can't rule out Jordan Spieth. He's had a little hiccup, too, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, he was looking great, and now he's, uh, you're, you're wondering about his game, but you figure he's going to come back, but yeah, I agree with you. Rory looks like he's... Uh, um, but Tiger was a great story. Oh, yeah, amazing. It, re- it really was. And how about the ladies' uh, ladies' uh, national... Uh, uh, soccer team, I, I, the surprise there, not that they won, but how dominant they were. I mean, they just they just smoked everybody. So they're pretty impressive that, you know, in you know, our men's team's a mess, as we know, the national team, but the ladies are just fantastic. They're they're dominant and and they won uh, the World Cup and they also were on the stage demanding equal pay and equal uh, facilities mm-hmm. and uh, all absolute good arguments and the United States uh, Soccer Association has to has to look inside and, and see what they can do to make it more equal. I mean, there is an argument to be made that the men's program brings in more revenue. That's just the reality of the situation, but the success is nowhere near comparable. And so you need to bring up the pay and, and, mm-hmm. and everything else. So yeah, no, good for them. The only, the only thing is why isn't the sport... Well, it's not really true on the men's side as much because MLS has really done more than gain a toehold. It's still the fifth sport. But, I mean, women's soccer is like nowhere. For all the young girls who have played the sport, mm-hmm. who have grown up thinking, I can be like that, I've got an opportunity, where is, where is women's sport? Well, why isn't it I, I mean, why, why is the LPGA not as popular as the PGA Tour? Why, why, you know, why is the WNBA not as popular as the NBA? I mean, I'm all for equal opportunity, but if the play doesn't excite you, why are you going to spend mm-hmm. $20, $50, $100 to go see the game? Now, right. you can argue, I don't have daughters. I have three sons. You do have a daughter. You, Some people would argue, well, you should take your daughter to the game. And, and yeah, so, okay, so those people are her gender, so they're inspiring. But if she wants to see the best soccer, she's going to want to go see a, a men's game. It's mm-hmm. just that's just the reality. Surprising it doesn't to mean me. I don't appreciate right. what they do. Yeah. I mean, I love watching women's tennis. Mm-hmm. It's fabulous, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's the one sport that comes close to matching the men. The talent's not the same. I mean, the men serve faster yeah. and harder, but watching a great women's match they are incredibly athletic yeah baseline to baseline and side to side it's it's great yeah you can still watch it 
Yeah. So that to me is the closest sport where you can sit I'd and agree. watch and see, mm-hmm. wow, that is fabulous. The other women's sports, I don't know. Track and field is similar. Mm-hmm. That can be exciting, even though the times are different. Uh, but the WNBA is not the NBA. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. No, it's the truth. It is. So I think that's yeah. why it hasn't grown. It It is better than it was 30 years ago. It's bigger than it was 40 years ago. It will continue to get better. I just don't know when the time will come mm-hmm. when the interest. On the World Cup level, it, the interest is there. Yes, right, but definitely. it's the premier event, mm-hmm. country versus country, yeah, best on best, and so it's an event, and mm-hmm. people want to go see it. So they'll sell out. Then you go and see uh, a U.S. Women's League game, and there's 400, 500 people, yeah, maybe a thousand people in the stands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, even the Red Bulls will draw more more than that, and they're not terrific, but they're good. And other MLS teams, you know, draw. 25, 30,000 right. people. Right. So it's an interesting question mm-hmm. about when and why. But hey, listen, the women did a great job. There was a Jersey flavor to it. And I think the uh, gender rights issues, the equality pay issues are legit. Mm-hmm. And more power to them for using that platform to put that issue forward. Yeah, absolutely. Let's turn to hockey, Matt. Where the Blues win the cup. I mean, that's quite a story. I mean, it's been what? It was their first ever. They yeah. came into existence in the 67-68 season. Okay. So the first uh first uh, They went cup in for their first and... 3 years they went to the Stanley Cup final because mm-hmm. it was set up so that the expansion teams, there were 6 teams that were added to the league that year, and mm-hmm. they put what they call the original 6 teams in one division and the 6 expansion teams in the other. So there was going to be an expansion team going to the Stanley Cup final, and it was St. Louis for the first 3 years. Right. But uh, that was kind of a fix, if you will. Right. Because they never would have made it if right. there was a blend of those teams. And you know St. Louis is into their baseball, but they're apparently they're into their hockey, too. Oh, they they're, love they're, hockey, so, yeah. So even on down it's years. It's a great sports blues, city. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So uh, they uh, they probably fill that arena, right, it, even on down years? Or? I would say they fill it, okay. but they there is a big support level mm-hmm. there for hockey always has been i mean yeah they, they played hockey there i remember talking to yogi Berra, who's a st louis native the late great yankee catcher and he went to see teams play you know they were minor pro teams but you know right. he went to see them you know in the 30s and 40s now there's a long history of hockey there and you know nice to see the blues win that first championship oh I, no absolutely uh once a huge surprise i have uh, is the washington nationals winning the world series just to, I, even when they made the world series like there's no way they're beating the houston astros well you're and, you're a first right first for the nationals yeah. first for the blues mm-hmm. and first for the toronto raptors first time yeah, the canadian absolutely. team wins uh, canadian a championship team wins and NBA the championship. NBA, which was uh it, which is a really cool story of as well so uh in in 2019 the patriots won again so yeah. it's yeah, a, then, then a that, year of the same old same old dynasty my goodness i mean that, this year may be and that offense doesn't, is struggling yeah, it doesn't they look lost like to miami it, right? yeah i mean if they kind of pull pull another miracle and but you know what they get in the playoffs man yeah, and it could happen and they prepare like no other team and doesn't look like brady it, but it, I, I come on now you still need to win that game yesterday i or i don't know if there was any uh i think they still had a shot at home field they, but you they can't lose, lose to miami they lose to miami they lose to Miami, so that was a little surprise. I mean, because so this, you know, Patriots are just gearing up in December, right? We hear that every year. Now it's just the Patriots in December, and now they're gearing up for the uh, the playoffs. So that's quite a uh, story right there to lose to uh, to Miami. That tells a story. So we'll see what happens in uh, in uh, the the playoffs. And uh, 
A little bit of a surprise. We can talk about it a little bit uh, with the with the Devils, Matt, this year um, uh, struggling more than a lot of people thought so, and 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 you as well. Well, you know, it's it's we were in Ottawa the other night, and Ottawa only has a few more points than the Devils. But the atmosphere there is, or the attitude there, or the thought process there is, hey, uh, we're on the right path because Mm -hmm. the expectations were so low. So they set the bar low and they crossed it. The Devils' expectations were much higher and they're roughly around the same spot as, as Ottawa, but they're viewed not as a team in the process of developing, not on the road to being a competitive team on a regular basis and somewhat uh, at some day challenging for a championship. They're viewed as a failure, and that's because the expectations are outsized. I never expected that the Devils were a guaranteed playoff team. The East is too difficult, and they had too many points to make up from last year to right. suddenly jump into that position. I did think they would be fighting for a playoff spot. Yeah. I thought they'd have, at this point, 10 more points or so mm-hmm. than they And the have. horrible start was... That, it was, it was that just doomed killed them. them. That, that yeah. doomed them. They've just not been able to get Because they're playing that. better. As they are. They've gone 4-2-1 and one in their last seven. They're scoring some goals. So uh, they've solidified areas that failed them earlier. Mackenzie Blackwood is now the starter, not the backup. Mm-hmm. They had poor goaltending. Uh, they've been able to tighten things up defensively in front. You can see Jack Hughes' development. He had the Mm game-winning goal in overtime against Ottawa. So you can see the things that we all expected would happen right away now starting to happen. Unfortunately, it's a little too late. So uh, I I think anyone who thought the Devils were going to be a juggernaut misread what the summer was about. I did think they would be more improved, and I thought did think that they would be in that 42-point range, which is knocking on the door of a playoff spot, which makes each game a little more important. The bad start doomed them, and I didn't see everything going wrong as it did. I thought maybe they'd have some problems on defense. Maybe there'd be some growing pains. Maybe the goaltending would be an issue. All those were possible, but if they all happened, the Devils were in trouble. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or if they all didn't happen in terms of development. The opposite happened of what 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 could have is is my point, and mm-hmm. so uh, the Devils are in, in in a big hole. You never know. St. Louis was in last place in the league in January mm-hmm. of this year, and they wound up winning the Stanley Cup. So hope springs eternal, but it doesn't look like this will be the year. Yeah, and you'll get a nice, another uh, high draft pick again. The Devils will next year, and then you just keep the developing. Yeah, I uh, mean, there's a balance between. Well, I mean, Shiro did it with the Pittsburgh. I mean, that's the idea here, right? The, the idea is, you know, but of course you get a Sid Crosby and 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 Malkin and these players that were just amazing, right? And, you yeah, you want patience, and mm-hmm. the Devils two draft picks, t- number one picks are very good. They may not be Sid Crosby. In fact, in all likelihood, they won't be. But they'll be very good players for a long time. And you can even see now, though, with the Taylor Hall trade, that was a cloud over the team. The Taylor Hall trade, you can see Mm -hmm. Nico Heischer is starting to understand that this is his team. They gave him a big contract extension earlier in the year. He's not even 21. But you can see that he understands. They are. I mean, you know, he's 20. Uh, He'll be 21 in a few days. Uh Jesper Bratt's 21, Jesper Boquist is 21, Jack Hughes is 18, the goaltender just turned 23. 
So it's the best league in the world. Mm -hmm. Nobody cares at all about your pedigree or your hurt feelings. These are men playing against men, and you better be ready to play every night. And it's hard for young players. So the problem, to your point about getting another draft pick, there's nothing wrong with adding talent. Mm -hmm. The problem is that talent has to experience some winning because it's it's Mm -hmm. easy to destroy confidence. Sure. And then you know, then you become the Edmonton right. Oilers, who for ten years have been eleven or twelve years have been trying to figure out how do we take all this good young talent and make it a productive team, mm-hmm. and they haven't been right. able to do it because that psyche is so important. You've it got starts it. to yeah. set in. Yeah, yeah this yeah. is organizational mm-hmm. malaise or cloud that sets in, and it hasn't yet for the Devils. But that's always your fear. Sure, like okay, we need talent to be mm-hmm. better. But we got to get better so the talent doesn't get wasted. Absolutely. It's a, it's an odd dilemma. So things will uh, look up, though, in 2020 because they're certainly, as you said, playing better. And so we'll, uh, we'll, Do you remember we'll where you were 20 years ago? Do you remember Y2K? Yeah. I remember I how remember, crazy that yes, was? I remember. The world's going to it and yes, the computers weren't right. adjusted. Oh, my God. We just figured out the, the computers can't handle the switch to zero, zero. Banks are going to be locked up forever. Water systems right. are going to fail. You know, nuclear bombs are going to go off because the U.S. can't control computer-wise or Russia can't computer-wise their, their nuclear arsenal. And it was arsenal. all nonsense. There was no problem whatsoever. And Can nothing you imagine? happened. That was wow. 20 years ago. Where did wow. the time go? Yeah, it's that flag. I what mean, happens I, if I they're off by 20 well. years? I remember, uh, I remember why Y2K very well. Well, and I, 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 you know, I can't believe that that was my thought. 2020. That was 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Pretty incredible. What happens if they meant 2020? Uh oh. Jesus. Uh, wow. Wow. <laughs> nice note. Your last show, not only of the year, but right, forever. Uh, forever for uh, for uh, more sports now. Well, we do have some people to thank here, Matt. We got, of course, um, you know, our sponsor for the RU Review uh, two years in a row now, Zebra Pen. A big thank you to them for uh, supporting yep, the show. It's, it's much appreciated. Yep. And the good news is, should be better for yes. Rutgers. And it's so gonna, it's picking the up. ROI should be better there's moving no, forward. There's no question. And also Eric Legrand coming on with us a number of the times. And yeah. And we had Steve Politi come on with us a number of times from NJ Advanced Media, which uh, which is great. Uh, uh, LG Insurance. Um, it's uh, my friend Aaron Levine. Um, we're doing a, a Jersey Hardwood, which is a, a basketball version of, of uh, the RU Review, pretty much. We're covering uh, Rutgers basketball Seton Hall basketball whatever's happened in the state so we've got that moving along too and uh and Aaron's uh uh sponsoring that his company LG Insurance they're in Long Branch a, a terrific group I've been working with them for years that, that we retain them we that's our insurance company for uh, for the businesses that I've had so uh, and then, uh, you know, we got the Sports Academy still on. Dave uh, Dave supporting us. New Jersey State Golf Association as well. We're Mike Moretti and the gang over there. We uh, we do their uh, uh, tournaments uh, during the summer. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. Those, uh, oh, yeah. Those tournaments you see some great sure. golf. Uh, yep. The best of the best in New Jersey. Yep. On some terrific venues. Oh, and yeah. The, the courses are beautiful. I oh, love yeah. going out there. We were at Trump National this past year. And just those beautiful New Jersey courses. So. Uh, that's been a lot of fun. So, um, uh, happy New Year to you, Matt. Thank you, and you as big well. Plans are uh, I'm I'm actually going to be at a party in Brooklyn, and um, I've just worked a party in New York the last few years. So that's what I do, and uh, that's what I'm going to do the, the, this year. Is uh, uh, probably a quiet New Year's. We have a game New Year's Eve. Oh, okay, uh, afternoon New- game. Yeah, afternoon yep. game. Uh, New Year's Eve depends. 
might be a little dinner with some friends. It might just be a kind of quiet night with Maggie and me at home. Uh, it is movie awards season, as you know, and yes. uh, we're members of SAG-AFTRA. Right. They send out uh, the movies that are nominated for mm-hmm. their uh, various Best Picture, Best yep. Actress, et cetera, awards. So it may be sitting down and watching a lot of movies. There you go. And then, of course, we can't forget our partner, John McAlevey, who I know is listening to us because he doesn't miss a show. And a happy new year, uh, John. John wasn't able to join us today, but he's certainly going to be back in 2020. And that'll do it for the last show of 2019. It's the podcast at moresportsnow.com. Please check out the site. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm Steve Titchener here with Matt Lachlan. We'll catch you all in 2020. Bye-bye. <laughs>